So welcome to the Faith and Belief Forum podcast. Uh, I'm joined here today by three students from the University of Manchester on our Parliamentals Leadership Programme. We'll be talking uh, leadership, diversity, social change, interfaith, and the challenges of addressing and doing all these things in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. Uh, to kick things off, uh, I thought it would be great if you could all introduce yourselves. So your names, something about your faith or belief background and what you are studying. Hi, yeah, my name's Juno. Um, I'm uh, studying politics, philosophy and economics. I was born in London, but moved to the Republic of Ireland when I was four. So I um, grew up in a Protestant household in a predominantly Catholic area um, of Ireland. So my faith background is quite um, mixed, I guess, in that sense. But I now identify as atheist. My name is Marie. Um, I'm Egyptian Canadian, so ethnically Egyptian and Canadian. And um, I am Coptic Orthodox, so Egyptian Orthodox. I identify as part of the Christian community. And I'm studying straight law at the University of Manchester as an international student. Okay, so my name is Samia. Um, I was born and raised in Manchester. Like Marie, I'm studying law, but I'm a third year law student. So in my final year, and I identify as a Muslim. So I would love to hear a bit more about why you decided to get involved with the Parliamentals programme. Why, why are you interested in being a leader? I was really um, interested in the Parliamentaries programme because I like the way it focused on leadership as a way of bringing people from different backgrounds together. I think a lot of issues with modern leadership now is that it becomes so focused around like, you know, your class or wealth background or like political orientation. And so having projects that bring people from all different backgrounds together to work towards one aim is something really refreshing. And I think quite lacking in the UK at the moment. Um, and I also think it's a great opportunity to get an insight into modern British politics. Obviously, as an Irish student, I hadn't had the opportunity to do that yet. So I thought it would be a really cool thing to do whilst I'm here. For me, as an international student who is essentially like, I find myself that I have such an internationalized experience since I've also been brought up in the Middle East, which is a hub for nationalities, basically. And upon coming to study in the UK, I thought it was really intriguing that there was an opportunity to get to work with members of parliament. That was just something that grabbed my attention immediately. And it kind of gave the students a voice that I don't think they have on uh, as much on other platforms. And so it was just really fascinating to see that we could work with such creative minds and with people in a significant amount of power to genuinely induce change within the society, which is such a great thing. And I think it's not an opportunity that you see often around the world. So it was just such a valuable kind of once in a lifetime chance for me to kind of truly see the lawmaking process and truly get like a view into that. And then with me, I feel like I love politics. So I studied it at A-level. I kind of chose it because I had nothing else to do, but <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I really just enjoyed like learning about politics, learning about, you know, social change and how people make social change and how politicians um, work in society. So I was really happy and, you know, intrigued that, oh, there's a program out there that's, you know, being mentored by an MP. It's about making social change. And that's something I value and that's something I look forward to, you know, making social change, making an actual impact in people's lives. So I think that's why I wanted to be on the Parliamentus programme. I love how you kind of, you've, you've hit on a few different aspects of the programme there. So on the one hand, the, the kind of leadership about bringing people together 
on the other hand about meeting people from different backgrounds and being able to work with people from different backgrounds then also the, the social change element i think you've kind of you've covered all of the parliamentary program there in your answers which is which is really lovely yeah it's really cool because honestly i do feel like with people on the pro program like i wouldn't have met these people otherwise and i wouldn't have ever like collided with these mindsets otherwise because as like a law student you're literally surrounded with lawyers and law like oriented people so like to have such a diverse kind of group of people who are genuinely so creative and just so interesting to even talk to like we never got to meet in real life because of everything that's going on but still it kind of does feel like we did get to know each other which i think is just really really cool and speaking of when Samuel's talking about politics um i actually i'm an avid lover of international law and it is something that i do want to work in when i do grow up so like getting to know the uk program getting to know the uk parliament is just something that's really cool and getting to know kind of how social change and political change is done in the country i think is just a really cool thing to explore and it's no longer studying it by the book it's kind of actually getting like insight into it and getting kind of a behind the scenes look at it which i think is so cool and is so fascinating for us as students i agree that is cool Tell us a little bit more about your experience on Parlamento so far. It'd be interesting to hear from, from all of you. Uh, have you learned anything about yourself and about other people that maybe surprised you? Something I found really valuable about the initial induction was the um, bit about uh, the difference between um, dialogue and debate. And that wasn't actually something that I'd ever considered before. I figured that because I study politics, it's kind of ingrained in me at this point to just question everything, debate everything. But that really taught me to realise that there are certain things that you cannot debate someone on. You cannot debate someone on how Christian or how Muslim they are. You can't debate someone on whether God made the world or not. If you believe that, then that's fine. And you can talk about why you believe it, but you shouldn't try and contrast your ideologies against each other in an attempt to further your own to make yours look better I think that was a massively valuable thing I learned and also learning that through the perspectives of other people so in the induction we were given talks by people from three different um like faith backgrounds and they talked about their own interpretations of their religions and I find that was fascinating as well because they didn't necessarily stick within any kind of stereotypical binary if if that even exists you know they kind of took their own like feminist interpretation on Christianity or you know more greater emphasis on Sufism um, and I thought that was fascinating as well that you can you can have like different identities within one I suppose religion I think that's really cool. Speaking of the induction Juno kind of really expanded on that I think one of my most eye-opening parts of that was when we were talking about identity, like our personal identities and kind of looking at, I remember one activity specifically that we'd done is where we said what people, when they see us, what they think of us. And then when they talk like a conversation or two, what they think of us. And then when they really get to know us, what they think of us. So I think that was a really, really cool experience. I'd never done it before. It was so insightful. And it was something that like, I personally had not really dwelled on as much. Like I never thought upon first, like upon first insight, what people think of me upon first impressions like what do I look at to people so I think that was really 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 enlightening because I don't think we get to do that like on a day-to-day -day basis you don't usually just sit down and ask yourself those questions so it was that was very very enlightening I think that was that helped me grow a lot but just because it gave me a perception of myself that I never looked at like I looked at it from a very different lens like you usually look at yourself from the inside I think looking at yourself from the outside is a bit more different and it goes beyond like the physicality of things 
So that was really cool. Like there is a lot of self-discovery through this, even though it is inducing social change and that is our aim, which is more external. But I think we grow in ourselves throughout the process. Yeah, with me, I see that in the program, it's it's like almost showing me that there's like within each religion, for example, it's not just a set like this is how it is within each religion it's like more branches so it's quite diverse our beliefs and faiths which i think is very important and it's very important at the same time to be tolerant of those as well to be mindful that there are people with other beliefs other than you it's not just one straight or you're a christian you know that's it really within christianity there's different branches as well and it's about being open and being mindful to them and rather than saying oh you don't belong to the majority, you're the minority, so we don't really take into consideration your opinions and beliefs. It's about showing that, you know, you are the minority, but we will take into consideration what you have to say as well, and we will take that into account. It's not just about what the majority want anymore, it's about, you know, the minority as well and what that represents. And I see, like, especially, um, you know, with movements such as Black Lives Matter, with all these um, anti-racism movements that are happening, people are seeing that, you know, we shouldn't tolerate this sort of discrimination that we've seen on a wider scale. So I feel like it's good that we should take into consideration the minority and Parliamented has shown that we can do that. We can create meaningful social change with other people who are similar to us, but also different at the same time. So I think that's a really good aspect of the programme. Yeah, I think that too. Um, I was, and speaking of like, I think our group, like as University of Manchester students, we're all so like diverse. None of us have like a stereotypical story or none of us have a stereotypical kind of journey, like on, in that, on that side. Like I know personally, I know when I first talk, started talking about like being Coptic Orthodox, people were like, what on earth is that? And so it's like, there's so many branches. And I think it's really cool just because there is that representation now, thanks to parliamentors for those small sects, for those small groups, they are being seen, they are being heard. And I think that's a really great thing because a lot of the times you'd feel like you couldn't see yourself or you couldn't relate to anyone. And so I think with parliamentors, it's like, well, actually now you can, because there's a lot of people from so many different walks of life that are not straight. Like there's a whole bunch of curves, so many like unique things about like even looking at the five of us like there's so much diversity amongst us but I think that's what makes us as strong and what makes us as influential as we are and what makes parliamentors as memorable as it is as a program and as a foundation for leadership and collaboration and change. Yeah I think it's really interesting what you said there that you know none of you have a stereotypical journey and I think that's often the case when you actually get to know people that you realize that you know, they don't have that stereotypical history or, or personality or background that you maybe assumed, you know, that once you get to know people, you realize that, oh, like stereotype, it's just a stereotype. And actually everyone is super complex and, and have all these different parts of their personality. And I think often it's, we don't necessarily realize when we are putting labels and limiting labels on other people or indeed on ourselves. And it takes that kind of interaction to really realize, okay, yeah, that was a that was a really limiting idea I had. Uh, and now that I actually get to know you, I realize there's so much more to you. And, and you know, a stereotype is, is just that. It's just a stereotype. 
Yeah, but that's because I think parliamentary is is like literally like you need to open your mind to be to be able to work efficiently with the program. Like if someone's going in with like already like prejudgments and preconceptions about specific groups, specific like names, specific labels, like this is basically like it won't work as well. And I think that's key to it. Like a lot of people can walk in with like preconceptions about, say, for example, Catholics, like whatever. But I think this program teaches you that like literally stereotypes like they're they are so many breakages to stereotypes and I, and that's just yeah it's that's what life is and i think this program is the epitome of that it just shows you though like there is not there is not such a thing as a stereotype you can't base your judgment off a stereotype because like 90% of the time it will not be correct and the people here are proof of that yeah i think all, you know i think also you know a lot of stereotypes are they might be true sort of statistically speaking but it, the the problem is that you know, if you reduce a, a person, an individual down to like just one thing, one stereotype, that's you're going to miss all the complexity. The danger is when you reduce someone down to a single story, when you don't see that there's so much else going on, they can't just be reduced to one aspect or element of identity. There's there's so much more to who they are and indeed who, who we all are. I also thought it was really interesting that was mentioned that, that kind of thing about uh, personal growth as well as more skills-based growth and that the kind of growth that comes from getting to know people and having some of those preconceived notions and so on challenged but also just growing as an individual and when we talk about leadership how that question of you know what kind of what kind of people do we want in positions of positions of leadership and what's the sort of more personal growth in terms of their experiences character and so on and ability to empathize and understand other people you know what are what are the more those kinds of characteristics that are needed in leadership positions and i think often we don't focus on that enough as a society those you know they're often thought of as kind of softer skills and so on but i think that is really a key part of what it means to be a good leader to be able to understand different perspectives and understand different cultures and be able to empathize and so on uh, so yeah, you've had your um, your induction. You've started working a little bit on your social action product, the, the change you want to bring about through the program. Can you tell us a bit about your thoughts on your social action project? What social issue are you tackling, and how are you hoping to address it? Basically, um, we had debated between a couple of different issues, some of which proved to be more systemic than others, so kind of out of our control. So um, through Ben's advice, we tried to narrow down like the range of people we were trying to help and try to have a bigger impact on them. So we're hopefully going to do that by raising resources such as food and white goods, by utilising the student population. So part of it is that obviously students have had such a bad rep the past few months about their impact on COVID and creating the second spike or whatever. Um, And so we wanted to create a chance for students to kind of have a better social impact on the pandemic, give them a chance to, I suppose, like prove ourselves. Um, And so hopefully we're going to be running food drives on campus. That's the sort of core idea, trying to raise funds for local charities that require more funds, um, more food, because we've spoken to a few and they said that their main issue now is like extra people coming to them, wanting resources, wanting food, obviously because of the economic impact of the pandemic. And so we can't help on that front, but we can help bring funds to those charities. And there's also the thing with like, I know like the increase in homelessness due to COVID and 
there was the government decisions for meal plans and school meal plans, like by cutting them off, essentially. And I think that's just all kind of like a build up. It's kind of setting the scene for a need that is there. And we just wanted to fulfill that. Um, we ha- we did have a lot of topics in mind and we were like, I think we were really, we had pretty much a good idea of what we're doing with everything, but kind of, I think meal plans was kind of what we stuck with just because it seemed like the most prominent need during this time. Um, and it also seemed like something like with COVID, there are lots of food banks that aren't as functional due to a lack of resources and things like that. So it is something that we can help it help with. And it's something we were thinking of also on the long run, something to leave as a legacy. So it is something that could be plausibly left and could be plausibly continued. So it was logical in kind of its scope, but also it was really effective from what we understand. And um, yeah, I think we called it meal, meal, by, meal by Meal Manchester. So that's kind of the name we came up with. Um, but yeah, I think it's just something we're all really passionate about because we all kind of, as students, we do see the homeless and we do see the need for it. And like in food in like literally people we see on a day-to-day basis pre-COVID obviously so we can only imagine how it's like post-COVID we do think that it's something accessible by students so we're not asking too much of people like simple donations will help so I think it's something everyone can do no matter kind of their status no matter where they are what they're doing like I am currently quarantining abroad but there is still the things that we can do e.g. communicating with other people for instance like in the city and organizing logistics and whatever so um, I think it's just something that could be accomplished by anyone, no matter where they are, how they're doing financially, etc. There is, like, as has been explained, there is like a growing need um, in our society for, um, you know, to to almost collaborate with one another, especially with in a time of this pandemic as well. A lot of people have been isolated. A lot of people have been cut off. A lot of people, like, maybe who had that initial contact with people now, all of a sudden they don't. So it's kind of like bringing everyone together to try and make a good social change in our society homelessness is something that's been going on for quite a while we see like for example when we go past uni we see homeless people on the street when we're in the Manchester town centre so it is a problem in our society it is something that needs to be addressed and what better way can we fix this problem by working together with one another collaborating with one another and creating that social impact and change within society um, especially during the current um, crisis and also Christmas is coming up as well there is sometimes you know a more pressing need uh, for goods to be delivered during Christmas time because the children are not in school for example it gets colder you know people need those hot warm meals to keep them going and just to um, have that good prospect in life so it's kind of like we need to create that social change. I'm also thinking about the connectivity and you know that, that ability to actually connect people from from different backgrounds during a pandemic obviously a lot of students will be subject to uh, lockdowns and other social distancing measures and this no doubt presents additional challenges both in terms of delivering meaningful social change but also perhaps more so for for connecting people from different backgrounds and making sure that people aren't isolated and that meaningful interaction actually takes change. What are your thoughts on that, on on dealing with those challenges? It definitely requires a totally new skill set and makes it hard to sort of take inspiration from previous projects because pretty much every other project we've been given as as an example, you know, obviously was run in previous years where none of this was a problem. So there have been several things that we've thought of and then realised that, oh my gosh, there's no way we can transfer that 
to online or that requires in-person communication um so I think it's a combination of basing all the communication online and then having say specific COVID friendly events or like um, the other thing that you can do um in person would be resource collection so you're not actually running events or like interper like the basis of your project isn't going to be interpersonal communication necessarily the other thing that we have to consider is the effect of the pandemic so it's not only the communications problem that that creates but also just the economic and social problems that it creates as a result so that's kind of why we focused it in that direction um but yeah it makes it hard to you know meet people on campus get to know other people there's no way I'd have met any of the fellow people on the program um had you know had I not done it like in the current climate so there is an like an additional need for programs or initiatives to connect people digitally more I guess now you know you see societies and stuff trying to run their socials online and there's just a massive drop-off in participation because people don't find stuff online as fun like that's just you know that's just how it is so I'm worried that it will present communication problems like between students and that students will become more isolated from their peers and their like course mates and stuff like that so um you know say I'm mentoring first just this year and we've tried my co-mentor and I've tried to like reach out to them a lot more do zoom calls with them so that they kind of get to know each other a bit more so there needs to be a greater emphasis on like going out of your way to reach out to students yeah I was just gonna say like we're I think we're just really really grateful for technology it just makes this a little bit easier just because I think a lot of like people like the young population essentially do have access to it fortunately like the majority I won't say all of them do um however obviously it as Juno said there is much more there is a bigger need for persistence there's a bigger need for creativity like it pushes your limits in terms of how on earth can I make this more engaging for the people next to me so that they don't just close their camera mute their microphone and go do something else because that is a very common tendency to happen on like zoom calls that take too long or get too boring like I remember on our inductions we had to take breaks in the middle just because we were slowly kind of losing momentum so we do need to take a tea coffee break whatever if it, even if it's like 10 minutes it does make a difference um and yeah it does push our creativity skills and does push our communication skills that much more so that we do make sure that you know everyone's safe and everyone's well because it mental health is a big thing with the isolation so even if it's just a quick text message or if it's a quick are you okay how tell me how you're doing that does make a difference and no matter how small that step is, sometimes you don't even find the time to do that. So it's just finding that time, finding that balance to make sure that you're not just checking in on yourself, but you're checking on others as well. Yeah, and it's also the um, fact that like in our society, especially there is an increase in technology. There's an increase in, you know, people relying on technology, people, you know, using technology to communicate, etc. And I feel like none of us were really aware of the impact of technology. But as soon as the pandemic hit, there became this almost like, oh no, like what do we do now and things like that. So it's a bit kind of like checking up on one another is more crucial now than ever. Being able to talk to one another, being able to relate to people more is more important than ever. I mean, especially with this COVID-19 as well, there are a lot of isolated, vulnerable people now who've missed out on contact that they would have originally had. So I feel like it's very important to just check up on one another to make sure everyone's okay, but it presents new challenges, but at the same time, it's things we can overcome. We've overcome a lot of things before. There are a lot of issues have happened in our society before we've overcome them. So it's just a case of like figuring out how to deal with this one and then making that social change. 
and helping other people positively. Yeah, and I was going to say there's also a bright side to things like I think an additional perk we have as like in COVID settings is essentially the fact that like I think people have become more empathetic towards others. Um, there is an increase in feeling for one another and looking out for one another just because of everything that's going on. So I think that kind of does play into our favor just because I think donations should come in more openly. And since like people will be able to kind of relate more to like, like before, I think we were all in such different kind of social classes. We couldn't really see eye to eye on specific things. But I think like COVID has just gone to show that like COVID doesn't care if you're like really like if you have a high class life or have a high quality of life over a low quality of life like at this point we're all kind of more or less like I won't say we're all basically middle but we are feeling for each other a lot more just because we do see what it means to have like a lack of something and to be like looking for that like I know I remember when there was the tissue roll crisis and that kind of like tissue rolls were coming off the shelves and so I think it's something small like that. It just reminds you, like, you know, we are all, COVID doesn't care, like, if you're rich, if you're poor, they don't care what it is. It hits everyone equally. And so I think that just reminds us to kind of, like, you know, look out for those who don't have as much as we do. And this is kind of the perfect time to do it. And people are kind of reminded of that basically every day, every quarantine, every stay-at-home day. Speaking of um, social change and, um, and making a difference and so on, at the time of recording this, it's uh, Black History Month. By the time it's broadcast, it probably won't be. But uh, we're at the end. We're at the end of October, so it's the end of Black History Month. Have you been involved in any interesting initiatives or events this month? And what are your thoughts more broadly on the importance of the month, especially following the Black Lives Matter protests this year? Yeah, so I haven't actually been involved directly with any events this month, but I suppose I can talk about the overall movement. Um, so I think the main, like my main worry about Black History Month is like, you know, performative activism and people posting stuff about it just for the month and then saying, right, that's job done. You know, I've done my bit for the year. I can go back to my normal life now. Um, so my main concern is that people maintain momentum when it comes to stuff like this and don't just repost as and when it's kind of trending on social media. I've seen a lot of that over the past few months, people just sort of mindlessly reposting stuff, some with misinformation. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of people just sort of passing on information and not processing it themselves. So like what I try to do, I'm white. I try to just gather my own resources, do my own research and um, like over the past few months just focusing on articles from like preferably non-biased media outlets and trying to educate myself in my own time instead of looking to like my friends um that are black like saying oh can you tell me like what this means or what you're going through on here like I think that it's important for white people not to put pressure on people of color to educate them and just try and like take a step back themselves and educate themselves but more importantly process what they're learning and then implement stuff that they're learning in their daily lives so like learning how to not do microaggressions like little stuff like that like I'm learning all the time about different things that actually white people need to just stop doing you know there's or passing comments that people make um things that you may not realize are offensive but are and just like accepting that okay you know got to stop doing that and I've got to inform other people as to why they should stop doing that um and not just confine that to the month of October but keep up that momentum for the rest of the year absolutely um also one thing that I'm kind of like that I do see is a great kind of advantage from Black Lives Matter is accountability. So this is very, very kind of law oriented. So like I like seeing that people are being held accountable for kind of their actions. And that's 
something like people who are who were usually seen as socially superior, if you will. And like in the U.S., for instance, there are a lot of people who would have been seen as unaccountable or invincible at the time, but they are actually being held accountable. Even if it's minor steps, it's better. Honestly, like without Black Lives Matter, I don't think these people would have emerged. They wouldn't have been seen. They would have been looked out for. And I think that's something really, really important that these people are being held accountable for their actions and for the consequences of their actions. So that's one thing. Um, I think something else that's great is kind of Black Lives Matter has brought BAME to the front. So Blacks, Asians, and minority ethnic groups in general, I think that's kind of a great thing just because they brought that to the forefront and that's not something, as it said, literally, it's minority ethnic. So they wouldn't have been as recognized if it wasn't for Black Lives Matter because like, as I know, as an, like an Egyptian and as someone who does live, who has an internationalized experience, I do see a lot of other minor nations coming up, a lot of political stories coming up. Like there was Armenian Azerbaijan, for example, they've come up this month. There are so many kind of other countries with different, with like genocides and with like different kind of problems, like there was human trafficking that has come up this month. So I think that's kind of brought this all to the forefront, even though I know it's kind of like more Black Lives Matter oriented, but it has allowed the entry and the emergence of these topics and the raising awareness of this. So yeah, it's just brought a lot of topics and it's brought justice to a lot of people who wouldn't have received justice otherwise. And I think that's something that's really, really important. In this month, especially, I feel like it's very important for people to educate themselves. It's not just enough for like people to be like, oh, it's Black uh, um, History Month this month. Let's just, you know, look at this thing and that's it. We'll leave it at that. I've done my bit this month. It's about just educating yourself and making sure you're aware of certain things. For example, something that you might not find offensive. It's something that doesn't really bother you. To someone else, it might be very offensive. And to someone else, it might be like there's no need for you to say that to me so it's kind of like educating yourself about different cultures and being respectful and mindful of other people as well not everyone will share the same belief as you not everyone will see will come from the same background as you or maybe see stuff in the way that you do so it's about just being mindful and tolerant and just educating yourself as well I mean sometimes it's not just enough to ask someone like oh why do you find that offensive or like um you know why do you not like this is sometimes you have to educate yourself to understand the history and culture behind it and then you have that realization that oh the reason why they don't like this is because of this sometimes it's not not just enough to just ask someone sometimes you have to go the extra not the extra mile but you have to go do it yourself go research yourself so that you have a better understanding because because sometimes when you ask someone you still might not understand at the end of it like oh but that's not offensive to me so why would you find it offensive but when you actually do research, you actually come across a lot of things. You're like, oh, this is why. So sometimes it's just about being mindful of other people and just doing a bit of research as well. So if you're not sure about something, but sometimes, sometimes, you know, the way we phrase things or they come out, it disrespects that person. So it's kind of being mindful of that when you talk to people of different faiths. Because sometimes we're not really, you know, we might not be as educated on someone else's faith as we are our own faith. But the thing is just about um, respecting them and just acknowledging them and just being like, right, you find that offensive. I'm sorry, I will not repeat that. And then if you have that history in the background of why it's not something correct to say, then you have a more understanding of it. I think that's a really good point. And I think particularly having that understanding, you know, and trying to understand the frame of reference and, and the kind of different beliefs and values and also the, the, the lived experiences that maybe the reason why certain things are hurtful to some people and not to others and so on and, um, and you know why, why they value certain things and find other things not so great and so on and actually understanding that there's a whole 
sort of set of values and worldviews and, and culture that, that is behind that, rather than just, oh, this is a list of things you mustn't say. It's sort of actually understanding people and understanding their experience and, and, and actually developing that empathy and, and doing, and as you say, doing some active work in actually trying to understand different types of experiences and different types of cultures and, and so on. I think that's a really, really, really key point. Yeah, for sure. I also think like it's mainly like I think the key word of this decade is literally change. Like change is happening all over. But I also think it's our responsibility to be able to mitigate the effects and be able to adapt to this change. It is our responsibility as people who are living now, as people who have access to resources and as people who have access to technology, as people who interact with like so many diverse mindsets and so many diverse walks of life. It is our responsibility to keep up with that change and to be able to adapt to it as human beings, as academics, as students for us, as, yeah, because it's it's like it comes it, we have a responsibility towards each other to be tolerant and to understand one another in the best way we can i'm not saying we have to be like academics on every single belief and world lens in this in, in on the planet but it is a responsibility to at least have a sense of respect and have a sense of decency towards these people and that is what they're asking for like black lives matter is not focused on like oh my god like these people just want more power no these are people who just want their basic rights like literally like things like the right to life it's it's really really basic needs that just need to be met so it is a it is a question of respect it's a question of like humanity in some instances and a question of just rights like people having the like equality or equity whatever it may be whatever is the need so yeah, I think that's just really important, and that's something that kind of that's what this whole thing's emphasis emphasizing on that's in our day and age. That's kind of the emphasis. Bring it, bring us into our last question here, which is taking a little bit of a wider look on the kinds of changes that you're interested in seeing in society, and maybe particularly thinking about how you think you're going to be using the. Experiences and the skills and so on that you're gaining from your leadership journey to have a positive impact. So, if you think ahead, maybe five to ten years, what social change are you hoping to create in the future with the skills and the networks that you're gaining from from parliamentals? What are the issues that you are really passionate about that you want to have a positive impact on? Five ten years time, I would ideally be involved still in like political work. I'm obviously studying politics at the moment. I just think it's fascinating. Um, and actually, at the moment, I'm doing a module in economics for public policy, focusing around economic inequality and poverty and how economic policy itself can, you know, have an effect on that. And so I would hopefully maybe be involved in working in something more systemic. So obviously, at the moment, we're doing quite grassroots stuff, on the ground stuff. But I think hopefully the skills that I gain from this programme, the mentorship from, um, you know, a member of parliament will hopefully put me in good stead to actually potentially end up working in, in the public sector on more systemic issues um, that also my university degree is helping me to understand more. That's ideally where I'd see myself. But I think the parliamentary programme is an amazing catalyst to get there because I'm, I'm going to be gaining mentorship experience that I would never have received otherwise. But also I think working with people from loads of different backgrounds will inevitably shape my worldview. And I want my worldview to be shaped to the extent that I try to incorporate the perspectives of as many people as possible in whatever I am working in. Yeah, um, I actually like, as like in terms of career and stuff, I do kind of want to work on the commercial side, but 
I am a big lover of international law and international arbitration. That's kind of my passion. Like ever since my high school days in modern United Nations, like international law just fascinated me just because I think it kind of gave me an education that I didn't get in my textbooks. Like I learned about countries that I would have never heard of if I just studied from a textbook. And that's something that really interests me because I think representation is kind of, kind of a big thing. Like as an Egyptian Canadian kind of copped, I did not really see myself much in like anything on like the international front. Like you wouldn't, I would never see someone like me in like, as like a really big popular thing. But like recently with people like Mina Masood and like Hollywood, for instance, um, there there is that representation and it is coming in a lot more with like the BAME kind of groups that I'd mentioned before. So that I think that's a big passion for me and just kind, kind of using the leadership and the confidence and the collaboration skills that I've learned through Parley Mentors and gaining the confidence from our social projects and gaining that strength and gaining that knowledge and experience to kind of just use to power through the commercial kind of context, if you will, but kind of with a focus on kind of international fronts and genuinely understanding kind of the intentions of different countries and their stance politically, economically, socially, environmentally, and looking at the relationship between countries and kind of, because I think that just kind of takes away and diverts our focus from like the bigger countries we always hear like America and the United Kingdom, et cetera. And just looking at other, like looking at the 400 plus other countries that kind of exist on the planet, I think it's something that I find really, really cool. And communicating like is a big thing for me. Like I love talking in case you haven't noticed just yet. So um, I think that's just something that really does fascinate me and kind of looking at like other countries that could be seen as minorities, if you will. So just bringing that to the forefront in the commercial context, in commercial law firms through international arbitration is kind of my goal. So I see myself in five, ten years time, you know, just like helping other people as a lawyer. Like I want to be like a human rights lawyer. I feel like with commercial law, like to me personally, it doesn't make much of an impact. I feel it's just kind of like you're there working for you know big corporations, big companies who already have the money, who already have like a status in the world. Whereas individuals who are like minorities, for example, who may not have that representation, I want to be there for them be that voice for people and be like that lawyer who goes the extra mile for her clients who represents those that don't feel they have a voice maybe you know they're stuck they don't know what to do just being that lawyer and fighting for their basic human rights I mean it's shocking that especially in this day and age the amount of like human rights violations we see all the times on the news you know people talking about things but then it's kind of like it's all word and no actual action so I feel like I want to be the person that's the actual action, making that positive impact in someone's life and actually helping them gain their rights. Because I feel that it's so unfair just because, you know, sometimes you're a minority or sometimes you're from a poorer social class or you don't fit into a stereotype of what a person's society should be. Like then all of a sudden you're kind of like cast aside. Your rights sometimes are not there as they should be. We're all human beings at the end of the day. And I feel like we all deserve our rights. And then I want to be there for people that don't have access to their rights and just fight for them. Thanks very much for a very insightful conversation. Really great talking to you all. Best of luck with the Social Action Project and best of luck with creating meaningful social change under slightly challenging circumstances during a worldwide pandemic. Thank you so much. This podcast was brought to you by the Faith and Belief Forum. You can find us at faithbeliefforum.org and on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.